Well, 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 hello there. Welcome to A Coach's Perspective. I'm your host, Jenny Hopkins, and what a sports week we are having right here in the Ozarks um, and everywhere. This has been uh, an exciting week. Um, if you are a high school basketball fan, you are in the right area. There are lots of holiday tournaments going on. We're going to talk a little bit about those, and uh, we have a great show in plan. I'm very excited tonight to talk about something I absolutely know nothing about. <laughs> I have an expert in here, though, that's going to is going to educate me. And we're going to talk a little esports later. Um, so, if you are a fan of Overwatch or esports, anything of that nature, then stay with us. You're going to absolutely uh, love the guests that I have in here. I have Allie Burnett in here, and she is a state champion from Nebraska. She's also ranked in the top one percent in the country in. Overwatch. That's exciting. So we're going to get to her in just a little bit. But before we do, I want to talk to you about our presenting sponsor, Great Southern Bank. They are the real superstars of this show. They are our presenting sponsor. And we're very grateful for Joe Turner and Kelly Polonis and all of the teammates over at Great Southern Bank. Uh, they are they are such excellent teammates in our adventure. Great Southern Bank is serious about convenience. With nearly 100 banking centers in six states, hundreds of ATMs and mobile and online banking services, you're always in touch with your money. Learn more at greatsouthernbank.com, member FDIC. Other sponsors that we're grateful for, Highland Dairy, Craig Lehman with Shelter Insurance, Bill Grant Ford and Bolivar, Story Construction, West Logging, Greg and Melinda Burnett, and Springfield Yard Cards. And we'll talk about them throughout the show. All right, before we get to our show, let's recap a little bit about last week because it's going to kind of carry over into our first segment. We had Don Luzader here, super fan of the blue and gold he is such a historian and does such a nice job of talking about all the fun facts about the blue and gold. I also want to take a half a second here to plug Robert Vestal's book. He is selling it at the blue and gold. 75 years of the blue and gold history, all caps, captured, uh, captured in this book. And it is fascinating. So if you are a blue and gold fan, stop by and see Robert Vestal over at JQH Arena and he is selling that book. We also had coach Mike Percival and Jason Michael and we talked about the pink and white lady classic. Uh, this partnership between Greenwood Laboratory School and Springfield Public Schools puts on a tremendous tournament. So if you want to listen to that episode, you can go to the website at coachesperspective.com and listen to it or you can go to Apple iTunes, you can go to Spotify, Verbal and we're now on Helium Satellite Radio on Tuesdays from 1 to 2 Central Standard Time. All of those are under a coach's perspective. All right, so we're going to do our best to kind of recap. You know, the tournaments are playing right now. So we're going to recap a little bit about what's going on at the tournament. Um, we have um, in the white division over at the pink and white, Republic just won over Carthage. So Carthage will be competing for third place. Republic moving into the championship of the white division. Kickapoo and Cabot, Arkansas, they are playing right now, so we'll try to get you some scores throughout the show. Um, in the pink division later on tonight, tremendous semifinals. You've got Anixa and Stratford, two-seed and a three-seed, going after each other, and both teams are playing very well right now. And then in the other side, you have Georgetown and West Plains. This is also going to be a showdown. West Plains, an extremely talented team again back this year. Um, and that, you know, won it a year ago. Georgetown coming in here from Texas with one of the best high school basketball coaches in the country. Um, it is a clinic 
how she coaches. And so it, it is, a, that's going to be a great semifinal as well. Uh, blue and gold over at the blue and gold Catholic just beat Nixa. Catholic upset Nixa 49 to 48 in the blue division. Catholic will go on to play for a blue division championship and they will play against either Kickapoo or Hartville. Uh, gold division. We've got, uh, Bolivar and Greenwood in the semifinals going at each other and Ozark and Republic on the other side. So a lot of great tournaments going on right now. Um, I know that there is uh, other holiday tournaments as well, and we wish all of them the best. I know there's a lot of great competition. We got a chance to catch up with um, Director of Athletics for Springfield Public Schools, Josh Scott, over at the Pink and White Lady Classic, just about running the tournament and about being an athletic director and what he has um, what he has given back to this profession. It was a great interview, so I want you to take a listen to Josh Scott. Hi, Springfield Public Schools Athletic Director, Josh Scott. And, you know, Josh, we're going to talk a little bit about the pink and white. Uh, we are getting ready to do the kind of the bracket updates after this interview so people will get to hear who's in the championship and who's going to be playing on the final day. Um, but let's talk a little bit about the running of a tournament like this. Um, this is a partnership between Springfield Public Schools and Greenwood Laboratory School. Um, but, you know, it's a partnership where you are having to do a lot of the logistics during the tournament, um, and you're running from here and there, probably don't want to look at the step count on your phone, but I bet it is uh, quite a bit. So tell us a little bit about um, running the Pink and White Lady Classic and what you enjoy about it. So I think it's it's like any other tournament that you you run or you're, you're leading. Once it gets rolling, uh, it becomes much easier. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of pressure and angst and, and maybe even anxiety leading up to the event to make sure, are we completely prepared? Do we have everything in place? Uh, is everyone going to show up? Uh, <laughs> Kelly, Kelly Holt and I joke all the time, our head of officials, once the first three officials show up for each gym, we tell them we're going to keep you here till your replacements come. So we're, we're good to start the day. Uh, so when we get here, a lot of it is just troubleshooting. You know, we had a, a spill on the floor. Let's hurry up and get that going. Uh, we are obviously continually worried about our time schedule and trying to stay on schedule. No one wants that nine o'clock game to start at ten thirty. Right. Uh, so it's it's just trying to be as efficient as possible. And and honestly, as you know, when you have great people supporting the event, it it takes care of itself. Well, and you know, I, I bet you started looking at the weather reports weeks ago, trying to make sure that you know that's always a fear of this time of year, um, the weather reports. But it looks pretty. It looks beautiful. It looks like it's going to be nice weather. Yeah, we're we've actually bordered on it being too nice. <laughs> yes. uh, there's there's a real fine line in there between uh, a little bit too cold to do anything outside, but everybody wants to get out of their house after the holidays, right. and uh, just without snow and ice. So we've been really fortunate this year. Our crowds uh, through day one and two have been tremendous. Well, and I and in no way, shape, or form want to minimize uh, this tournament. The Pink and White Lady Classic is a premier tournament in the Midwest, and it is a wonderful tournament. But it's also a little bit of training ground to kind of get. Uh, it's kind of the trial run for the Bass Pro Tournament of Champions, and you know, which is the highest attended tournament for high school in the country. So, tell me a little bit about how this helps prepare you for running that tournament. Yeah, I think every time you put an event on, uh, through the 14 years I've been an athletic administrator, you learn something else each time. And, uh, you know, we are uh, always looking for different people to help us and support us in the Tournament of Champions, looking for different ideas. I think, uh, you know, jokingly, we get our tournament legs under us mm -hmm. with the pink and white. 
the excitement comes in, uh, and and so much of preparing for the TOC is following the same type of a, a list of to dos for the pink and white. So it just helps us to reaffirm our processes and our practices with the tournament of champions. Honestly, the biggest thing for me is the Wednesday of the event because that's when we fly all of our teams in. And that is the biggest scary factor for me with the tournament of champions over the pink and white. Right, get them here, get them here safely, get them organized. That is, uh, that's a definitely a big job. And I know there's a lot of fans out there that show up and get to watch the games and they don't even realize the amount of manpower that it goes into an event like that and all the different small logistics and making sure they have their meals on time and that they have a team host and that they're finding, you know, that they're at, they're okay at their hotels. Um, there's a lot of that besides just actually running what they see out on the court. So we appreciate that. Definitely. Yeah, no, we're excited. We have the five of us out of our, our office. Uh, and then we have 15 different people helping us with games. We have probably over 20 officials helping us over in a couple of days. And then, uh, obviously, Mike and, and you coming over from Greenwood to support the, the execution of the event. So there are so many people that make this possible. Well, I, we appreciate what you do, that is for sure. Let's talk a little bit about um, your experience in athletic administration. Um, you know, you, you are hired at Springfield Public Schools, and to be real honest, in the entire area, it seemed like, you know, such an obvious hire. You've, you've been a talent in, in administration, even um, at the state level, and you've been involved at the national level. Um, so tell me, what is it about, just a really basic question, what is it that you like about being an athletic administrator? Because you definitely have flourished in that role. I just like, yeah. I always knew if I left the classroom, I didn't want to be a principal in a high school. Um, I think I'm, I'm called to wanting to support, um, wanting to uh, arrange things, possibly maximize things. So, you know, you look at those character traits whenever you do the test. Uh, one of my, my five main traits are an achiever, which means I just continually sign up for things. Yes. Um, I think competitive as yes, well. <laughs> it could be competitive yes. is in there also. Uh, and, and I don't know, I, I just love high school athletics. Um, that's it. I, I like to compete. I like sports. Uh, there's not a there's not a sport on TV that I won't stop and watch. Uh, so I think it just all kind of fit well and meshed together. And you know, I joke with people all the time. I continually applied for things that I was not qualified for, and that's just led me here. Um, and I'm not afraid to fail. Um, and I think that all comes directly from sport and growing up in it. Well, in sports, I mean, I, I feel like the number one life skill you get is coping skills. Yep. It really is. I mean, learning to get over failure or using failure to get to success. So that's a, that's a wonderful point. I appreciate you making that. You know, as, as an athletic administrator for so many years, you've also been a great mentor to a lot of um, athletic directors, and not just in Springfield Public Schools, but around the area. You've been a great mentor, and you're kind of a go-to for a lot of ADs. Um, tell me what it, how important that is for, one, for you to be that mentor and help them along their path, but also, um, you know, who, who mentored you? Who helped you along your path as well? Yeah, my first year at Waynesville, um, I had two great friends, uh, Jeff Whitney out of Camdenton, longtime athletic director there, and then Kelly Henshaw from Rolla High School. And Kelly, you know, some of you may remember him from the School of the Osage, uh, volleyball, basketball coach, and athletic director. I think he's doing something right now with Desi or uh, with the Principals Association. But they 
accepted every phone call and answered every <laughs> stupid question I had for my first several years. Uh, the the longtime Willard AD, Jeff, Jeff uh, Staley and I used to joke all the time, we're like, man, years three through five, I think we're actually getting worse at this job. Because you start to understand what you should be doing mm -hmm. and the amount of time that it takes and how much extra you have to put into the, to the job to do it efficiently. And I just remember that. I remember those phone calls. I remember Kerwin at the state office taking anything from us, uh, reaching out to us. And I just want to be that voice for someone that can say, you can always call here. Uh, if I don't know that answer, I will look it up with you on the phone, show you where to find it in a handbook, or give you a person to call. Right. I think that's important. And, and I think, you know, being an athletic director, it's a network, just like in coaches and just like officials. It's a network. And I think that's that's strong. You feel like it's a part of a network that um, leans on each other? Well, the, I mean, almost I would say venture to say 99 percent of athletic administrators right now used to be a coach and probably a teacher. Yeah. And the best coaches don't invent everything on their own. Right. They steal right. Uh, this offense or this inbound oh, or yes. this play. Thieves. And they, <laughs> they grab them from five, six, seven different people and put it together and make it their style. And what I love about the best coaches, which I've tried to model myself after, is if it's good for the game, they will share it. Even if it is somebody they're going to compete against, because we all realize if that team is better, then my kids are going to have to be better to compete and win. And, and I think that's what we're trying to do here with athletic administration uh, in the state of Missouri. It, it doesn't matter if they're in my conference or not or in our area of the state or not. We are all trying to get better and offer a better experience for kids. Well, on that note, you know, the, I, I love that global attitude. Um, I had that when I was coaching. I always wanted to try to help fellow coaches. And, um, you know, it's you, you have that that network if you will and that closeness because they're in the trenches with you and you want to help them and support them um, but what if you have a, have a coach that sometimes maybe wants to be a little more closely guarded and not put themselves out of there how do you sell them on that valuable mission well we just ask them how they got here uh, ask them that's who, good who are you an assistant coach under because i know you weren't hired as a head coach without doing anything right uh, and so we just we walk through it and have those conversations i mean we all have different personalities um, but it's it does there is a certain maturity level of the experienced coach that realizes your kids still have to execute how to run this right and the other point is if they line up in a play that you drew up you can always call timeout and set your team <laughs> uh, so you should be able to uh, to coach your kiddos through it also but there, there there's a maturity aspect I think well in any good offense uh, you are already gonna know the defense and how to beat it um, you're gonna already know the counterpoints to it as well <laughs> so that that's a big difference as well well uh, we appreciate what you do I know that uh, you and your staff have done a tremendous job with the pink and white lady classic and um, I know that it's a, a great success again this year and that is not by accident and I hope everybody realizes that out there that it is a lot of hard work and we thank you all for doing that. a coach's perspective. Thank you to Josh Scott, Director of Athletics at Springfield Public Schools, for taking the time out um, of running from here to there over at the Pink and White Lady Classic. I know that uh, 
Josh Scott and Jason Michael and Mike Percival and Darren Taylor have all done a great job uh, partnering up and running that tournament. We thank them very much. Just a little update from there in the semifinals of the white division. Kickapoo is ahead right now over Cabot, Arkansas, 22 to 17. So a great, uh, great contest that are going on in the semifinals. All right, so Highland Dairy. Let's talk about that superstar. Highland Dairy is owned by dairy farmers, and they've been providing a great selection of nutritious dairy products since 1938. It's a proven fact from scientific studies and professional dietitians that the ideal sports beverage recovery drink available to athletes after a workout is chocolate milk. And Highland Dairy has the best-tasting chocolate, and they're a proud sponsor of a coach's perspective we're very grateful for them um so you know we've been talking some holiday tournaments we're going to switch gears and you know i want to challenge our listeners to to hang in with us because you're going to learn something tonight you're going to learn something tonight when we talk about esports there's a lot of people out there in the sporting community if you will will be like what that's not sport that's just playing video games they you're going to learn something tonight and you may have a newfound respect for the fastest growing sport in the country and and world um, esports is something that is uh, really taking over the viewership of a lot of um, people in our country. I mean, it is number two right now in viewership, just behind the NFL. Um, people go to arenas and fill uh, these arenas um, to watch other people play their video game. And it's amazing. And I'm so excited tonight to have an expert in this field. Um, she's the state champion in Nebraska, her esports team. First year, they decided to have a competitive esports team and they win the state championship. Uh, she is the captain of the team and is a, only a sophomore. So she's a non senior and she's the only female on the team. And she is the shot caller of the team, which is very exciting. It's like the quarterback or the point guard of the team. And I'm very excited to have her here because she's going to sell us tonight on esports and why it is so popular. So welcome to the show, Allie Burnett. Thank you. It's good to be here. Should I tell them the other part of your resume? Other part? Yes, that she is also my niece. Yes, I am. Full disclosure. Yes. (laughs) But I'm very proud of her and I'm very excited to, to dive into this because I'm one of those people that, I, you know, I'm a Pac-Man frogger. I, I was pretty good at Donkey Kong. All of those games, I enjoyed so much playing growing up, and my parents didn't understand it. They thought, you know, what, is, what are these video games? Why are you spending your time doing that? What's an arcade? Why are you going to the arcade? But this is, and this is even different, because not only I didn't sit around and watch my friends play Donkey Kong, I wanted to play Donkey Kong. But eSports has really grown, um, and it is a billion dollar business right now so i want you to start selling us a little bit tell us when i when i say what is esports just simple let's start right there at the basics what's your definition of esports uh honestly just competitive video gaming it's it seems a little silly at first if you think about it like watching other people play video games but in a way it's a lot like football because you know you watch football you don't to see the professionals do it to see the strategies to see like you know how they do it there's coaches and it's interesting to see these rivalries between these high level thinkers high level players and that's similar with esports. Like, of course, you can play the game yourself, yes, but you're not going to see like what what kind of strategies. Like, watching esports is like watching a video game at its highest level of play, which is a very interesting to see how the game is supposed to be played by the game developers, by the designers. So, yeah, esports is competitive video gaming. That's a, that's yeah. a great definition. Yeah. All right, and so and anything competitive, I like. So, <laughs> so there you go. We're going in the right direction. I mean, there's an actual. Um, I'm going to tell a little bit of fun facts here. Um, there's several different games. So when I talk about viewership on esports, 
um, that it's number two of the country right now behind the NFL. It, there, that is all games, you know, so that is, you know, there's Fortnite, there's Dota, there's what you play, which is Overwatch that we'll talk about in a little bit, but there's all these different games. So all of those put together is what the viewership is. Um, players, they actually spend hours and hours with strategies and skills and practicing. So you are on an esports team and you have practice. You have an esports lab at your school. Tell us a little bit about what you all do at practice. Uh, yes, we do have a practice where we play with our team. It's similar to physical sports in the way that you're building, you know, coordination with your team, like deciding who plays which role, that sort of stuff, and like practicing against other players. But on we go against other teams who also want to prove in like a, a scrim environment. So we practice strategies on different maps with different heroes, and it's a lot like you know practicing plays in football, as I said before. It's just it's just like building you know good vibes with your team and practicing you know mechanics like aiming and then like hitting stuff. So you do fundamentals. Fundamentals, yes. yes. Fundamental practice. Okay, now you're talking about yeah. <laughs> it's fundamental practice. It's practice like you know listening to the shot caller as a thing. Because I've had moments where I've literally been shouting, like, yes. <laughs> which it gets pretty loud sometimes. But you know, you pr- you practice fulfilling your role in a team. Because in the end of the at the end of the day, you can go really well, you can play really well, but it's a team game. So it's more about taking your individual play style that you developed outside of practice, and then coming into practice to implement that into a team environment to be the most successful. And I think a, a lot of people know that I, I gravitate towards the mental side of sports um, as a sports counselor and working with athletes and teams. Um, over the last, you know, last several years, I've really, I really gravitate towards that mental side. And so that's one of the attractions I have is that this is an extremely mental activity. Oh, definitely. The strategies, the anticipation skills that you have to have, it's not completely scripted. Um, and, and you have to figure out those different avenues. And so that's probably got to be one of the most addicting parts of it is yeah. mastering those areas. Uh, esports definitely has a lot to do with mental because, uh, a lot of the strategies you hear about believing what you can do in sports like applies to esports. Like you got to believe you're gonna defend that pass every time. You got to believe you're gonna hit that shot every time, because esports is half confidence. It's half mentally destroying the enemy before you get into the game. <laughs> respectfully, I love it. Yes. <laughs> so esports is all about. That's the thing. Another thing we work on practice is like we're gonna win this, so we don't even have to worry about it. We're gonna win this, and so we're gonna make sure we earn this win. So now we just gotta claim it. It's it's a lot of mental goes into esports. Because you don't really have many physical aspects behind that besides reaction time, but that's really a minor part. And so you, it's almost all mental. It's like the practice, you got to put in the time, you got to put in the hours, and all of that has to do with mental strength. And like you can even handle that. Yeah. And a lot of professional athletes now, um, Stephen Curry, I mean, even uh, even Mike, Michael Jordan, they are investing in esport players now. They see the value of it. They're viewed as athletes um, because of the, as the strategy and the skills and the hours and hours and hours of practice mm-hmm. um so all right well i think you're you're making a good case so far <laughs> you're making a good case so listeners stick around ali burnett is here and she is uh going to educate us on esports we're going to continue that conversation after the break um but i'm intrigued i'm intrigued now i have some questions for you though so we're going to try right. to stump her on the ne- next <laughs> segment no, bring we'll, it on. yeah we'll we'll take a, a quick break um, but I want to thank Highland Dairy for sponsoring this segment, along with Ali. Would you like to read my other sponsor? Greg and Melinda Burnett, my parents, as they support local, thoughtful radio. We'll be back with Coach's Perspective.
Welcome back to A Coach's Perspective. Uh, this segment is sponsored by Bill Grant Ford in Bolivar. They know cars, they know trucks, they know SUVs, and they know service. And they definitely know how to keep their customers happy and loyal because I've been one of them for over 25 years. Give Kelly Grant or Shane Rainey a call and they will take care of you. They'll do a coast-to-coast search and they'll find exactly what you're looking for. Call them at 417-326-7671. All right, so you know, we are talking with Allie Burnett, my guest tonight on eSports. And I know some of you are like, eSports? Sometimes... You know, instead of, you know, judging someone for playing a sport that you might not know much about, you should learn about that sport because there's a lot of parallels in esports to um, other sports. Like uh, Allie was talking earlier about um, football and the parallels between football and esports. And so there are some parallels and I'm, I'm fascinated to take a little diver deep, a deeper dive into this and talk a little bit more about them. I mean, there's, there are college teams that are playing esports and we've had Drury University's esports team on here. We featured them in a series, um, back at last summer. And, you know, that was very educational and extremely exciting to be able to continue to learn about this. But there's also, um, there are now college majors for esports. I mean, you can major in esports. What are you going to college for? Esports? What? And so we're going to tell you a little bit about that as well. Um, the top U.S. player last year made $3.2 million. So these are not people that are in their mama's basement and just getting, coming out. These are people that are making serious bank. And, and as Ali was talking about earlier, have the mental strategies to kind of rise above and, and, and be champions and, and play so well. So, um, Ali, tell us a little bit about how you got involved in esports. Uh, well, when I was a kid, a lot of the things I did were because either my dad, my brother, or my mom did it because I was the youngest, and so I just kind of watched and observed. And one day I noticed Isaac was playing this really colorful game on his computer, and I was like, what's that? And he's like, it's Overwatch. You want to play it? I was like, yeah. And so he's like, first, we started off, we just played against bots for a while because I think I was 11 years old Okay, what are bots? Bots, oh, they're like, it's just like playing non-players characters. They're just like programmed and they're easier to play against like you know starters okay and you and so we played against those for a while and then eventually uh my older brother isaac stopped playing the game because you know he moved on with his life but i (laughs) much younger had a lot more free time so i kept getting much more into the game and then during i then i stopped playing for a while but during covid i picked up the game again and started playing more and more getting into the strategies you know the guys and then eventually i got really competitive with it Wanted to join an esports team, played a lot of ranked against a lot of players. And the good thing about esports is that you're not limited by physical restrictions, like, you know, height, weight, how buff you are. But that's also <laughs> the bad thing because you can get to the top level, you know, as just a teenager. But it also means the top level is extremely competitive because, you know, you, you can always improve. There's nothing holding you back from getting better and better and better because, of, you know, there's no physical thing aspect to it. It's just your mental. And so it's always it's a very competitive scene. Going against people of all ages from all regions of America, and it's just, I don't know, it's really fun. Speaking of competitive, you're in the top 1% right now for yes. Overwatch players, which means, so it's put you in the category of, um, did you say Grandmaster? Grandmaster, High Master, yes. I, I will, I'm not going to be calling you Grandmaster, Allie, but <laughs> that is a great title. That's what the ring's called, yes. yes that is really cool, and, and maybe... Maybe we know, I don't know exactly what that means, but I know that's pretty good. I do have someone here in the studio, our, our producer tonight, Logan Weber, and you do know Overwatch. You've played Overwatch. Yeah. That's probably a, a pretty cool level to be at, Grandmaster. Yeah, I, I never got particularly close to that. I played Overwatch, <laughs> you know, as about as consistently, I, I would say I played it probably four or five hours a week. 
Not nearly to the level that she plays it, but I was horrible, absolutely <laughs> atrocious <laughs> at the game. Somewhere. So to to reach Grandmaster is is absolute insanity. You know, after the show, maybe she can give you a few tips. <laughs> that, you know, I mean, know. Whatever help, anything, anything helps my Overwatch right. game for sure. <laughs> right. Well. right. Well, tell us a little bit about just okay. Here's we're going to use Overwatch as an example. Mm-hmm. All right. So it is a you have first player games and you have third. Player game, right? Third per- person. Third person. Yes. 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 Excuse me. I, I got to start. I gotta work. She has to correct my my English here or my lingo. So you have first person. You have third person games. Which ones are more popular? Uh, I would say definitely first person. They're also known as like the shooters. You know, Call of Duty, Rainbow Six Siege. They're the ones where you're in the body of the character. Like you see out through the eyes of somebody else. I'd say they're more popular. But of course, there is except exceptions. Like third person games where you're like you're floating above your hero. So you don't really like aim as much, there's less control. But you know, it's more it's like fantasy environment, I suppose, third person games. Like the big one of the biggest esports, League of Legends, is indeed third person. But then almost the other big esports are always always first person because they usually allow us more individual skill that way. Okay. So tell us a little bit about just the bare basics. Um, just give us the nutshell of Overwatch. Okay, Overwatch is played in a six versus six, so six players in each team, uh, map based, objective based shooter. So you've got different classes, tanks, DPS, support, and you, your goal is to either defend defend something on a map or attack something on a map. And it changes depending on the map that you're on. And then the, yeah, you switch between attack and defense each round. There's like 32 different heroes, uh, all different classes, and they all have different jobs. I play the support role mainly. Yeah, and you're the captain, so you are what's called the shot caller. You play kind of behind everyone, yes. like the quarterback, mm-hmm. and you're directing traffic. Plus playing the game yourself. Yeah. It takes a lot of multitasking. It's a lot, but it helps that I play a lot because you basically have... Uh, Overwatch is a very adaptive game. It all has to do with be knowing what to do in each situation. And the situation changes constantly. It's a very fast-paced game. So I sit in the back, and if something needs to be addressed that the enemy suddenly did, then I'll just call it out. And then that's what happens. And then I would call like how, where to move, when we're going to move to that, where to like, play from... You have to boss yeah. them around. You do have to boss them around a I little like bit. like that. And as the only female on the team, you know, females can multitask. Yeah. Male, I'm not going to say males can't. Sometimes my calls whoa. get a little It can lost. be increasingly, dif- increasingly difficult for us at <laughs> yeah. times, for sure. It's, it's the thing. That's Sometimes the my calls get a little lost, so we have to do the thing where you keep repeating yourself until you're heard. As I said, sometimes I'm sometimes shouting, right. but <laughs> they know not to take it personally. I'm, sure. just, I'm just being heard. Well, sometimes a coach yells. It's a, yeah, it's out of yell. love. you got to yell at your players. Yeah. It is out of love. It's out of love and the want to be better and succeed. You've and got a common mission. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I'm curious. You mentioned, of course, with, with Overwatch, there's the three different player types, yeah. um, with DPS, support, and, and tank. Um, so with each different hero, you know, the, each one has sort of individual skills that they like, that they, mm-hmm. that they utilize. With you playing a support role, what, what support character do you use the most and what skills do they have? Uh, I don't know if anyone's going to know what this means, but I play the main healer, Ana, Baptiste, and Moira. Those are the character mm. names, by the way. I played the main healer's job is to stabilize the team's incoming damage and also provide resources and enable their teammates. The main healer takes does the brunt of the healing, so they they're very important to the fight. So if they die, it's very hard for to come back from that. And so their job is kind of they're kind of the the, the st- stabilizer in the team. Like if you don't have one, you're kind of in trouble, but you don't really notice them when they're there, you know. Did you understand her answer? Yeah, for could the you most explain part. Explain it to me later. <laughs> yeah, I, I could definitely give it my best shot for you, but <laughs> I, I, I played the game for a while, and there were still aspects of it that I didn't really understand. I definitely was more of a damage 
Uh, I would mm, just go yeah. in there, guns blazing, because I had no idea what was happening, and, yeah. and just winging it as best I could. That's so. what makes Overwatch unique. Most shooters, I would say, yeah. have mainly damage-based roles. But because of the way Overwatch works, where it's more of the team versus another team, instead of some one person versus one person, there's more variety in the roles, which is part of the reason why it drew me into the game, is the class. It's, well, a lot of different angles, too. Yeah. A lot of different strategic angles. So you can use a, a strategy... On one map, but you have to change that strategy, I guess, on the next map. Exactly. Every oh, every map is a different mm-hmm. strategy. Every map <laughs> requires different heroes. And, like, it's almost like playing an entirely different game depending on which hero you play. Because they're all just so different from each other. And so are the classes, which is another great thing about the game that I still love. <laughs> and that's an older game. Well, okay, let me ask you a few questions that I think some of my listeners might be thinking right now. So tell me, what, what do you say to those that, um, that don't really uh, understand the game um, and why it's so popular. If they just, I don't understand esports. I don't understand why it's so popular. I don't understand why so and so likes to play it all. What do you, what do you say to those people? Well, I would advise people to put yourself in the shoes of a child and then look at football. You see guy with ball running around. Did he score? Is this good? People are screaming. Oh my gosh! So much is happening. That's what esports looks like to you right now. But as you got older and you started to learn more about football, you could really get into like, wow, these guys are really smart. Look at that play. Oh, my God, he outsmarted him? That's crazy. <laughs> and that's sort of how my generation, or at least I, view esports because oh, it's did sort you of bring, like, Did you bring age into this, Allie? I did. <laughs> <laughs> because it's a very newer thing. Yes, yeah. that's true. That's and true. So, I'll give you that. Yeah. So <laughs> it's sort of like our version of football. I'm not saying we don't like football, but. It's just seeing the the intricacies and understanding them is similar to, you know, how a child would view football, as I said. Well, in our family, you've got to love football, too. Exactly. Yes, you definitely do. (laughs) I watch the Super Bowl every year. So, uh, I guess for me, I've always sort of viewed gaming and and esports as sort of like how a lot of people view golf. (laughs) You know, golf is a sport that you can play when you're 50, 60, 70 years old. Video games are much the same way. You know, you can't play basketball or football or baseball at 50 years old. Your body just doesn't allow for that. So do you see, you know, esports as gaining traction with with people around our age and even older than us? Because it's something that you can continue to evolve and get better at and continue to play. I mean, up until, you know, the day that you you leave this earth, I guess you could say. Video games are for everyone. It's hard with esports being so competitive to say like an 80-year-old can get the same, you know, skills as a 20-year-old because of that element of reaction time, you know. But it's, I'm not saying it's not doable because I, I do see people in our generation when we get older still playing these same video games because, as I said, there's no physical restriction. As long as you can use your hands on the keyboard and see the screen, then you can play eSports. So let me, let me ask you this. What, what about those that say video games are too much of, of playing and sitting in front of a screen causes some anxiety, social anxiety? It also causes some depression. Um, You're living um, almost too many hours in an alternate universe that is not reality. Um, So, I mean, how do you counter that um, that point that a lot of people make about video games? My argument to like video games to cause depression and violence is that that was that depression was already there. I'm I'm not. It's hard to go through you know today's society with our school system around that age and not you know have a little bit of dread. But I would say that video games that provide more of as an escape to any of all those feelings. You're in that you're you are in your own little world, but that can sometimes be nice to escape, you know, from a home life, from schoolwork. You can just go and like this is a whole different world. It's in the future. There's new characters and abilities. It gives you something else to think about. You know, it gives you little goals to accomplish, and it's really just a therapeutic outlet. Can really help some people get away from everything. Kind of a brain break, yeah. If you will. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. 
Without a, that's that's what I always found it as of sort of an an escape from the anxiety and depression that I was exhibiting in my everyday life, whether it was at school or or like in college, you know, and and that's I always found video games very very enticing because of that. So uh, I'm curious, and Jenny, you mentioned this earlier, how big esports is becoming. It's the second most popular behind the NFL. Do you think, in your opinion? Do you believe that it's that streaming and uh, platforms like Twitch and now YouTube doing live streaming of people playing video games, you know, which I, I will admit that I watch quite frequently as well. Do you think that that is is what is is that helping the grow esports even more or is esports helping to grow the streaming services such as Twitch? Oh, definitely. I think that every esports I think has started on Twitch. Twitch inherently is for the video game streaming service. And as things get bigger and bigger on Twitches, on Twitch, then you see these companies picking up players. You know, I remember turning on CNN like one time and watching the, there was Overwatch League, and I was like, "Wow, that's crazy!" Because you know, Twitch definitely is a good starting point for esports and streamers. And a lot of professionals started out just streaming on Twitch to a small audience, and as it got bigger and they got better, then they start getting recognized and picked up. You know, just like other professional players, they got picked up by scouting teams for these professional games, and yeah, it's a great start for a career. And what, and what is it that is, when you're watching someone else play the game, I mean, are you really, are, are you, is it more for entertainment? Like, oh, that was a nice move, or are you saying, oh, they should do this, they should do that? Are you being more cr- critical now that you are such an advanced level player, <laughs> well, Grandmaster Ali? <laughs> I love to watch professional players because it's like, why do they do this? Because you see them do it, but it's interesting to try to find the justification of it because, you know, there's and like like you know as I use the word like real sports but like real sports esports teams there there's there's teams with like base cities there's jerseys there's team colors there's fans every team plays differently every team has its good strengths and weaknesses and so you get to watch all these high level players of different abilities interact and you see what like what caused them to lose this map what caused them to win this map and you can go behind to the thought process is and you can learn more about the game through it and it's very interesting that takes a lot of effort it does but But you love it i love it yeah yeah effort makes it fun i you know and and i want to i also want to take a moment um and thank someone that probably does not play sports that's craig lehman with shelter insurance (laughs) he's a great sponsor and i sure do appreciate craig lehman and i also appreciate danny west with west logging thank you for sponsoring this segment you can go to westlogging.com or find danny west on Facebook as well, and he'll give you a free consultation. Um, so, all right, let me ask you this a little bit. It, you know, you say you love it, you spend all these hours, and um, and you're diving into it, and you're learning all these strategies and fundamentals, as we talked about earlier. A lot of parallels um, to to other sports. Uh, what is it that's so addicting? Like, you know, is, is it that just so therapeutic that you love that release, and you you feel more comfortable in this alternate universe? You know, what is it that makes it so, it is an addicting sport. Very, mm-hmm. very addicting. Like golf, kind yeah. of what you were yeah. talking about earlier, yes. Part of it is the, you know, the way our brains work, like to solve puzzles and have competition. But another thing is the way the game is designed is to reward skill. And so you get addicted to it because you want to keep improving that skill to see those kind of rewards that your brain gets based on how the game is formatted. So I, I would say, yeah, a lot of the addiction comes from the game itself, but also, you know, the want to improve which the game, you know, encourages. Yeah, that's, well, and that's the competitiveness part of it, mm-hmm. too. You want to master that skill. You want to master that map. Yep. Master the map, master the hero. Look at that. Look at that. I'm getting <laughs> there. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. <laughs> so you mentioned that you state champion. Your team was a state champion in Overwatch. Yep. You're a team captain and, you know, a leader on that team. I'm curious, eSports is becoming such a big thing at the college level, the professional level, but now at the high school level as well. And I know at the college and professional level, 
different teams can play multiple different games, whether that's Overwatch or League of Legends, Call of Duty. Definitely. So I'm curious, uh, with your high school, is it just Overwatch that you guys play, or do you do your teammates play other uh, other games as well? Do you play other games as well for your for your club? Well, the way our team works is that you one player can play one game. So we had an over last semester because these games have seasons. We played Overwatch, Rocket League, and Hearthstone. So these were all in different formats. So we had coaches for each. Some most they were mostly overlapped. So we had like a Hearthstone, some Hearthstone players, which is one on one, and then Rocket League, which is car soccer, which is three on three. And we won those state categories as well. But in general, we did play different games, but we were still a community. And then next semester, we're going to have Valorant, which is another first-person shooter, and then Super Smash Bros. Esports. So you've probably heard of that Super one. Super what? Super Smash Bros. All right. Super yeah. Smash Bros. I'm sure you've it's heard made, of that. Absolutely. It's yeah, made, that's it's a really made its comeback. One. You yeah. know, it, was, it was big and popular on the Nintendo 64, but it's become increasingly popular again. You mentioned Rocket League. That's another game. Oh, yeah. It's Very huge. similar to Overwatch. It's absolutely massive, and I was awful at it. <laughs> Could not play it to save my life. That's okay. So am I. I don't know how those, those kids do it. They're, yeah. they're, they're very impressive on our team. But well, it's yeah. kind of like a dual sport athlete if you play more than one game, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's someone that excels in basketball and football or, you know, or volleyball and softball. So, I mean, they, it's like you're a dual sport athlete if you can participate in two of these different games because you spend so much time learning the skills of one. Um, that it that you're starting from ground level almost. So, yeah, esports skills are very particular to the game, so it's very hard to transfer over skills. And it's like, and besides, like you know, aiming everything else, you kind of have to start from new when you start a new game, which makes esports so difficult. You know, to multitask in, especially considering the time commitment needed in each game to get good. Right. You know. And so, okay, so Logan was talking about, you know, this is ageless. You Anybody out there can play. So you've got, all right, you have piqued their interest. The listeners are like, oh, tell me more. I'm starting to like esports now. <laughs> I'm, and, and, and that is a growing trend. People that learn more about it and educate themselves do appreciate it a lot more. So tell, what are the, what are the top three um, reasons that someone should give esports a try, that if they've never played a video game? Never played a video well, game. Not a video game other than Donkey Kong, Pac Man, <laughs> things like that. And great. Well, if you're looking for something that you can get lost in, then esports is a great thing because there's always more, more levels, more complexity, more details you can go and into. more games. It seems and like, more games. Yeah, yes. you can find one that fits you. Video games. Another reason video games is a booming market because recently we have, we have the VR coming out. Graphics are getting better and better. These big video game companies are still growing to this day because you know the market is growing for them as you know the modern age progresses. People get lost in video games so it's great to see like and then as the video game industry grows so does esports so you get to see you know new players new competitions everything's fresh and new which is very refreshing you know to some people who you know sports may be dying a little bit but right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any uh, any thing that you would add to that list on encouraging people to give esports a try yeah i, I mean and, and really esports is one thing it, it's ultra competitive and and that feeds the human nature yeah. in my opinion people have this innate desire to remain competitive throughout their lives no matter what it is whether it's in sports whether it's in the job market whatever the the cause whatever it calls for competitiveness is always going to be at the forefront and, and esports and just video games in general allow for that if you don't want to get involved in esports you can just play video games i mean there's so many opportunities to just go out and play a video game that that can really cater to a lot of people but if you have that that innate desire to remain competitive and show your prowess and say, "Hey, I'm better than that kid that I'm playing against right now." You know that <laughs> uh, that sort of that feeling of maybe a little bit of embarrassment or or, or whatever you want to say towards the person that you're going up against. That that's what esports is is really really 
caters towards is right. your ability to remain competitive and impose your will on another person just like sports does. Well, there you go. I think that's uh, that's great advice, <clears throat> and I am going to encourage listeners to, to get out there and, and try it, or at least talk to someone that plays and find out what it is. There's a lot of storylines out there mm-hmm. in video games. Story games. So there's, you know, if you're a Marvel fan, there's some Spider-Man games. Beautiful. There's, you know, lots of different storyline games that you can play. Um, but it is kind of a nice therapeutic break, and, and I, I appreciate you educating us tonight. I, I Anytime. Definitely, yeah. So, Love to talk about it. <laughs> well, I and I appreciate the fact that you're, you know, willing to put yourself out there and tell us the bare basics. We could have gone a little deeper. I'm sure Logan could go a lot deeper with you on Overwatch. Talk for hours. Oh, for hours. <laughs> Try not to talk your ear off. Yes, yes. But it's great to, you know, have this opportunity to talk about esports, especially as a woman. It's a very male-dominated industry right now. Yeah. So we're trying to change that a little bit, especially in the professional scene. It's like all guys. Which, honestly, because esports isn't gender separated like a lot of sports. So. I kind of have a feeling she yeah. might be able to do that. Yeah. I think her future's bright. I wouldn't bet against it. <laughs> yeah, I hope definitely. So. Well, thank you and congratulations on your championship thank and you continue. So Grandmaster Allie Burnett here from <laughs> Overwatch. You. I appreciate it so much and, and, and thank you for educating us tonight. Anytime. All right. We're going to move a little bit into our post game talk. Uh, Story Construction is our sponsor for our. Post game talk. Go to story, S T O R E E dot com. And also, Springfield Yard Cards. Go to SGF Yard Cards and you can put your own greeting in your front yard.